You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 467 of Podcateers. This week, Pokemon are coming to a neighborhood in Las Vegas. Sometimes the Disney tax on merchandise is crazy. We speculate what the latest teases from the Dreamlight Valley team mean for the game's story. Andrew gives his thoughts on Disney's latest live-action remake, The Little Mermaid. One fan's passion goes viral after he re-edits the Disney Plus original series Obi-Wan Kenobi into a movie. And spoiler alert, Disney does contact him about it. And of course, our Disney history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, continues with 1965 and 1966. We'd love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head on over to podcateers.com links and click on the Discord button to join the community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of people known as the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, and access to our happy hour calls, just to name a few. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP squad for their continued support. So it's time to jump into the episode. If this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 467 of Podcateers. Uh, and if you have to drive all the way out to Vegas, that's the way you catch them all. Yeah, you catch catch all the what uh, fish? Pokemon. There's oh. like a map. No, Pokemon. You po- just have to follow po- the map. Pokemon. <laughs> Pocket yeah. monsters. Pocket monsters. Pocket exactly. monsters. Okay. So I guess we should add some context for everyone listening, right? Right. Uh, this week, there was this article, uh, multiple articles, actually, uh, because a, a, a neighborhood or this new development of, of a neighborhood that's coming up in Vegas decided to name the streets within the boundaries of this neighborhood that's being created after Pokemon. Mm-hmm. One, there's a part of me that would love to live on Charizard Lane, <laughs> but I don't want to live in Vegas because it's super hot. I don't deal well with the heat. <laughs> and being in the middle of the desert is not my best friend. But I wonder if there's a petition that I could sign so that the city can rename the street that I live on to like Charizard Lane. Or they could add also known as. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess you could do that. Well, is that what you would want is Charizard Lane? I don't really follow the pocket monster like uh catalog so i know a few so i don't know what i would want to live on but is that what you would want yeah Mm. i think so i mean i guess the popular choice would probably be like pikachu Uh like i'm sure that people would want to live like on pikachu street or pikachu drive or something but in this development so far i think they have jigglypuff place charizard lane squirtle lane 
and there's one other one so far like the street the street signs and everything are still being put up and at first when this got sent to me uh oh snorlax lane is the other one uh, that's, the, that's the other one that's up so my kind of street <laughs> <laughs> and so when it first came up I thought it was totally fake. Like I thought this is just one of those like April Fool's things that carried on like a month or two later and you know, it's just getting traction or something like that. Or maybe it's an old article. I went on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, the streets are there in the development. You can see them. They are incomplete streets. You can do Google Street View and see the actual signs with the Pokemon names on there. And I just thought this is actually kind of cool. I guess the story behind it is that there's this developer who would take uh, their work home with them. And so they would discuss with their family like what they were going to call the streets and everything. And uh, they kind of made it a game. They would come up with all these like silly names and stuff like that. And at one point, their oldest uh, child was like, oh, well, what about Pokemon? And they had a good time. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, ah, Jigglypuff, ha-ha, Snorlax Lane, blah, blah. And the developer's like, you know what? That's actually not bad. Maybe we should do this. And so now they're getting these names. And I have to think, what does Nintendo think about this? What does Niantic think about this? I get it. It's like cool PR for them. But given that Nintendo even catches a whiff of somebody using their IP in any way. They're like lawyering up for everything. Yeah. How are they getting away with this? I don't think they'll get in trouble because they're not selling anything and it's just the name. So maybe that's like one way or a loophole that they could use the the streets. If they get away with it, I say name the whole community out of you have so many generations. Use them all. Isn't there like a Pokemon yeah. that's like I mean, a pile right. of garbage or something? Pile yeah. of garbage? Is that a po- yes. Yeah, there's like a pile of garbage or a bag of garbage or something, right? The, the first evolution of it is called Trubbish. Oh. It's, it's just like, like a, a little green bag of garbage with eyeballs. <laughs> that's a good street name. I think the when you evolve it, yeah, it's Trubbish, and then it evolves into... Dumpster? Garbador. No. Garb, no. Garbodor, <laughs> I think... Yeah, uh, so Snorlax would be your street Oh, role? yeah. Is that what, yeah. where you would want to live? It's my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> I like Charizard, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say, uh, if if I had to go spirit animal, it would probably have to be Snorlax or, or Slacking. Oh, yeah. Because just kind of laying down there, just not doing nothing, just yep. relaxing the whole time. Uh, but if I wanted to go with possibly like one of my favorite Pokemon, it would have to probably be Charizard. So uh, any Pokemon Go players out there or any Pokemon fans, let us know what street you would like to live on if you could live on a street named after any Pokemon. I think that would be kind of fun, actually. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to petition my city to let us rename the street that I live on. Why? I don't know. I'm probably the only one that wants it, but it'll be fun. So, But you could I'm live on Psyduck that. Street or something. Or yeah, Psyduck's kind of whatever. Carp I mean, he's... Street. <laughs> yeah. Watch, you, you you petition them to, to name it that, and then they name them after those like energy cards and stuff. Isn't that other things in Pokemon? Just like energy, life. I don't know, Pokemon. Isn't there like cards that are not Pokemon? Yeah. They have like <laughs> stuff on them. 
Yeah. That's what your streets. You know will be what named would after. be cool? Maybe, I guess. Huh. You know what the other one I think would be really popular? It, either Mew or Mewtwo. I think would. I was be thinking about that. A really popular one that people yeah. would choose. Yeah. Especially right now, there's like a mute, a shadow Mewtwo event I think going on in Pokemon Go. Lucario lo- would be kind of <laughs> cool too. Rayquaza, I live on the corner the of Charizard so and Mewtwo. Just not Pidgey. <laughs> not Pidgey. No. Oh, Eevee would be cool. Ooh, yeah. Eevee would be a cool one. Ah, there's so many good ones. I, I like the idea, Mel, of naming every street in the community. Because I think I did notice that they had streets that were just regular names. But I think what was happening is those streets were extensions uh, like outside of the community that they were building that were like streets that were leading into the community. Mm. All the new developed streets were the ones with the Pokemon names. So, yeah, if they name all of them, I mean, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, putting the question out, if you had the opportunity to live on any Pokemon street, which Pokemon would it be? Uh, hey, you want to hear some crazy thing about Pokemon now that we're talking yeah. about it? I know this isn't the Pokemon <laughs> podcast, but I just thought this was like super messed up. Uh-oh. Uh, but, Andrew, do you know enough about Pokemon that it started off as like a trading card game and that there's like rare cards that people seek and stuff like that? Yes, I, I know that much. I don't know like the character okay. names and things, but yeah, I know the basic premise. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so... Uh, there's there's a lot of these holographic cards, you know, that people seek when they purchase their their packs, and sometimes they purchase boxes to get better odds at these like super rare cards, right? Right. And recently, uh, I I'm gonna try to find the article and I'll share it with you. But, but the gist of it is that for a really long time, people were having trouble finding like a like a foil Charizard card, for instance, and like people were going crazy like they're like they couldn't find it they were going for really really expensive like auctions and stuff like that and all of a sudden this group of people started showing up to like comic book shops and different places with stacks of these foil like cards like all of a sudden these rare cards are like you know, so all of a sudden the people that they're trying to sell them to kind of get flagged, right? They're like, well, this is weird. Like, these are really hard to find. One is super difficult to come by. Why do you have a stack of like 20 to 50 of these, right? Yep. So there was an investigation and it turns out that workers at the plant where they produce these cards were stealing the foil cards Hi. before they got packaged and they were just basically pocketing them to try to sell them later, you know, in, in the regular market. And so it I don't know where this is right now, but I know that there was going to be some kind of lawsuit and everything. And I, in general, this is a really bad place for any type of community to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because imagine all the people that have spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars trying to seek these really rare cards that seemingly never existed in the packages because these people were stealing them to begin with. So your odds of finding them weren't one in 10,000. Your odds were one in never because they were never making it into the packages. And so I'm, I have to go back and I have to double check to see what the status of that whole thing was. But 
I just found it crazy that apparently this was happening for five to ten years is what their estimate was. What? And so all yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you get away with something for so long? Nobody catches on. There was, but security? it wasn't until that's yeah, like it wasn't until they tried to sell some of these that some comic book shops were like, I don't know, something smells awry here. So I yeah, I'm gonna try to find more information on this and. I'll either share it on Discord or, you know, we'll talk about it in another episode. But I just, my mind was kind of blown when I heard that this was happening and that it was happening for so long. Like, how do you build goodwill with your community after, like I said, like people spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on these cards for something that never really existed. That's stinks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It also seems like uh, these are kind of dumb criminals. Yes. If you're going into (laughs) the comic book store with a stack of them. Yes. Like, sell one. You know, don't sell 50 of them. That's true. Don't don't tip your hand. That's true. Here's a tip out there for all you criminals. You (laughs) You gotta be smart. You gotta think about, is this suspicious or not? So there's a tip for all you would be criminals. Uh, right. seems pretty obvious to me, but <laughs> you, would you know, think. <laughs> uh, here at Podcateers, we give tips to criminals, I guess. We sure don't. <laughs> don't be dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a YouTuber that I tend to watch, Phil, uh, Philip DeFranco, mm-hmm. and one of his favorite catchphrases is, uh, don't be stupid, stupid. This is definitely one of those don't be stupid, stupid yeah. moments. So, uh, hey, uh, cost-wise, things that cost a lot. Can I can I complain? Mel, you sent this cute little wagon. Well, actually, why don't you describe yeah. it? And, and, and then we'll talk about <laughs> it from there. Okay. Um, so, on Shop Disney, you know, just looking at stuff. Actually, no, 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 no. This was a targeted ad. I wasn't shopping. Mm-hmm. So... This came up in my like feed, and I'm I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what? No, one. I don't need this. It is a wagon, and usually you see wagons for you know carrying kids, stuff, art supplies, whatever, right? Regular little wagon that you could get at Home Depot, Costco, Sam's Club. We're not. Uh, <laughs> there's no ads in this. I'm just naming things and stuff. So um, I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? It is cute. You scroll just a little bit further down to see that price and it is not worth triple digits. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's a wagon. It's a regular looking wagon. No, maybe not regular, whatever. Foldable. Disney, Disney goes a little you know, above a little above um but the fabric is cute all right you have mickey's it's red on the inside very cute the outside part is all black so it's just basically basic it is not worth three hundred dollars yes three hundred dollars i rounded it up because it's basically three hundred dollars who is After buying tax. these Oh, I know. I didn't think about tax too. Ugh. With tax, it's about three hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and shipping too. I mean, unless they offer free shipping, but that's a different thing. Um, yeah. 
uh, who's buying this? Why would you spend $250 more than what the average other thing that works very well? <laughs> I guess the people that are buying it are the people that want to flex the fact that they have the foldable wagon with the Mickey fabric, right? Because I guess. Look, I get it. I'm familiar with the Disney tax, okay? Yeah. I, I joke about that, but there is a Disney tax on things because they are using their intellectual property. So if you buy something that already exists in the world, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium to have those characters on your product. Yep. But this one was kind of insane because these wagons, like Mel said, we've seen them at Sam's Club, at Costco for 75 bucks, like a slightly larger one. We'll maybe go for like 125 Yeah. You know, and we've used these wagons. We used to use them for art walks. You see people at Disneyland with their kids inside of them. So they're very common wagons, okay? But $300 for the Mickey fabric no, or something no. that you can get for a third <laughs> of the cost is kind of crazy. Right? Like this is maybe if if it's a, a common $125 product paying 175 for it. Okay. I get it. You got the Mickey fabric on there, you're paying a little bit of a premium. Maybe even 200. But yo, $300. Insane, right? <laughs> That's, and you could so probably find the, the fabric or the cushion. You could probably get it on Etsy for way less. If you wanted to have your wagon look like Spiffy One from Shop Disney. Yeah. So, so I just did some <laughs> some uh, internet sleuthing. Ooh. Uh, so the brand of this wagon is Oniva or something along those lines. O-N-I-V-A. Mm -hmm. They seem to be a premium wagon brand. Um, it looks like they do a lot of uh, uh, branded wagons. I just like was looking up different ones. The same wagon uh, as the Mickey wagon, but if you want an Ohio State Buckeyes logo on it, is four hundred and twenty nine dollars. <laughs> um, so it looks like their base price for that model is one around one ninety nine. Well, eh. It's hard to tell wow. because it looks like most of their their stuff is just branded like wagon stuff, but I did find the exact same wagon, the same wagon that's on Shop Disney for 274.99 plus tax on Amazon for mm. 177.98, $100 cheaper you can get this on Amazon prime free 2-day shipping. Whoa. Right, and so wasn't that the price that I was saying seems more reasonable yes. for yeah. something like this? So you can get it on Amazon so, right now. Wow. So here's the deal. When I was looking for these, uh, I remember when I was researching these types of wagons, right? Mm -hmm. There is, there's a brand that was rated really highly and like really sturdy. It had really great reviews. Uh, this is not an ad, by the way. This right. is just from my research, but there was one called Gorilla Carts. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. looks almost exactly the same, but it's just standard like fabric or, you know, it was a lot more sturdy. Uh, it was considered an oversized cart because it was, you know, bigger to carry more stuff. It was 165. And mm -hmm. that was because it was one of the more heavy duty ones because I was looking for something that was going to last for quite some time, right? Even Ace Hardware, I believe at the time, like a local hardware store here, had them for 150 
and on Amazon they were a hundred dollars, and that at the time you know uh, it wasn't available for Prime, which is why I had looked to see if any stores had it uh, available. But yeah, like one seventy five, I think for something with for a product that already exists, you know, for something Disney branded, you know, you add that fifty sixty bucks to it. Okay, cool. You know, you're paying for your licensing and all that stuff, but. That shop Disney price is just craziness. Yep. <laughs> Let's just well, see and, if it'll go yeah. on clearance. <laughs> it's also kind of bizarre that they're in the wagon game. I mean, I know you can use wagons for other things, but wagons are technically banned at the parks. <laughs> I don't like, know. This is like the I place where think you, you want to take a wagon, even though I've seen plenty of wagons still at the parks. Uh, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But in the official rules, they are still banned. So they're like, ah, oh, well, we'll sell the wagon, but you can't use the wagon at the place that, that you want to use the wagon at. Oh, I didn't even take that into consideration. No, me neither. <laughs> that is so funny. That is funny. Oh, that's, that's, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> that's craziness. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, okay, let's move on to... Let's talk about some Dreamlight Valley. It's been a while since we've talked about that. Yeah. We got an update coming up, and there's quite a few changes. Uh, I'm excited about this update because it looks like we're finally going to see a little bit of a progression in the story. There's there's kind of these, these two update cycles that Dreamlight Valley has kind of hit at this point, and I don't know if this is going to be common going forward as the you know, as the game continues on, but keep in mind the game is in, is still in beta. It is still uh, pay to play, so you essentially have to get one of these founder packs uh, packages in order to play the game as it stands. Eventually, uh, we thought it was going to be March of this year, March April of this year, yeah. where it was going to go free to play, uh, but that has not been the case. I'm starting to wonder if it's not going to be until the fall of this year once they go through the entire storyline, get all the bugs out, and then make it free to play for everyone else. Um, but this next update does promise to advance the storyline. Again, the two cycles that we've kind of seen is there's one update that advances the story, one update that adds a character or two. Then we get a story advancement update and then another update that adds uh, a character, maybe even a like a, a biome, in, in, not a biome, uh, a realm behind one of the doors in the castle. So uh, this next one looks like we're going to be getting an answer to the pumpkin house up in the Forgotten Lands. There's tons of speculation that it's going to be Fairy Godmother, including an image that the Dreamlight Valley account posted on their social media uh, talking about these new benches that you'll be able to place in the Forgotten Lands. And there is a magic wand sitting on a bench. And they captioned it like, hey, just make sure that you don't forget any of your items or something like that. That wand looks very much like Fairy Godmothers. It looks mm -hmm. like that's what we're getting. But one of the more interesting images that people started to lose it over is the fact that the character is looking at a very dark castle with a lot of green glow, a lot of purple, a lot of night thorns. It kind of seems to be the inverse version of the current dream castle. Uh, your speculation on this one before I, I give my thoughts on it. Um, I'm Hawkeye right now saying, please don't give me hope. 
don't 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 do this don't do this to me because the green lights the thorns and everything screams maleficent and it's like i'm not gonna get i don't want to get excited i don't because i don't know she's like precious you can't don't don't mess her up for me um if it happens you'll hear me i'm sure everyone will because i will lose it um it's it just it just screams it but i i don't know if this is forgotten lands how does this make sense with the fairy godmother i that's where i'm confused and that's where i'm kind of like okay i'm gonna simmer down with the hope and not i'm gonna just take a take a step back and let this play out from there yeah i i'm not sure like what this is i mean it, it's probably something along the lines of when when you are like weird underworld other wherever the uh, the up when you're in the upside down of mm-hmm. the dreamlight valley <laughs> where all the you know bad things happen I, I maybe it's it's in there where you were like a weird shadow there's like another you and it was like the evil you the upside down you or whatever i i don't remember what that all said but somewhere along those lines in there um is is my guess on to what that castle is and you know saying like the why the fairy godmother would be in the forgotten lands i'm wondering if the forgotten lands then transform into something else once the fairy godmother brings her magic back to dreamlike valley and something 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 you, you know and then it come becomes sunny also while i'm here why is there like green fart fog all over the <laughs> valley all the time? Does anybody know about that? <laughs> I don't. I've never done that in green, so I'm not exactly sure what to say to that. Well, it's like Shrek um, fart. I don't know. It's like green, I, like I weird little wisps. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, I would do. say. I mean, I would say you might want to see a doctor if that's happening. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. That's the part that I feel like is Maleficent. I, I don't know. The green fart fog? Yeah, but she doesn't okay. do that. So I, I hope do you not. Know? She's got it. Ma- she has digestion we've, issues. We've never seen Maleficent We've never fart seen her do that. Here we go, starting screen. rumors. That's true. We you don't know. know. I, that is 100% true. You are correct. Oh, boy. So... Here's what I think. I I don't know if you remember, but back when Scar was first introduced into the game, there was a portion of a quest where when you left the mines, uh, you walked out and then you saw like evil version of yourself, right? Like you saw the forgotten mm-hmm. version of yourself dressed all in purple, like their face was all like evil and stuff. And they, oh man, now I'm giving away a portion of the storyline. Uh, if you haven't gotten to this and you care about the storyline, maybe fast forward a little bit because some spoilers are coming up on the story of the game. If you don't care and you're going to play through it anyway, stick around because you'll hear what happens. Uh, Final warning happening now. So when you finish that quest, you jump out of the mine or you walk out of the mine and you see this like evil version of yourself that jumps into a portal, Right. And so you follow them into the portal and you are in this dark version of Dreamlight Valley. 
but they run off into a version of the castle which looks like this image uh, and but you can only follow them like halfway up or something because if I remember correctly some of the same green flames that are in the Forgotten Lands that we can't remove are there and so we can't go past like where we were but like we jump out of the portal and we go tell Merlin like oh I saw myself like I saw the Forgotten it's me ah I'm I'm the evil one right so yeah. I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think they're introducing Maleficent just yet. I think what Fairy Godmother is going to do is she's going to give us a new ability to remove the green fires finally from the Forgotten Lands and is going to introduce a way where we can like harness her power and Merlin's and ours and Ursula's and I guess Mother Gothel, right? Because she's got like magical powers as well. Uh, to to harness it all to get to, I guess what we're gonna call the upside down, but right side up, because it's like the purple, uh, like dark version of Dreamlight Valley. So the upside down, mm -hmm. but right side up, to face the evil version of ourselves. Like I think update five is maybe going to be the end of the current storyline. Like that might be like the final battle where, you know, you, you face yourself and you realize, oh, it's been me all along and I'm going to join myself and we're going to live in harmony. And then you leave and then it all turns beautiful again or something like it all it all you shine light on that side or something. I don't know. That's my speculation. Like, I don't think this is this isn't yelling Maleficent at me yet. Like, I think they're going to save Maleficent for like a much better update. I think what they're going to do with this one is mm -hmm. finish that current storyline and introduce Fairy Godmother and whatever princess is going to race into the valley. See, that'll be very really really interesting because how that's See, this is now I'm thinking about this is I'm thinking eventually we're going to get like Hades and everybody else because we have um the stove i think it's the stove that's no 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 not the stove not the stove that's scars um the souls pool thing that's on the floor um oh yeah so i don't know how that's gonna play out if we're if we have that but we don't have him and i don't know this is gonna be really interesting to see um I don't know. By the way, if you have headphones and you're playing, go to it and just zoom in and listen to it. It is really creepy and fun. Oh, I've never <laughs> heard it before. Yeah. You actually That's hear crazy. like it's uh, it's airy. It's pretty airy. You know, the, the idea of using that little pool as the entrance to this underworld, the upside down yet right side up, is intriguing mm -hmm. because... It's already a portal technically that you have, right? Like you wouldn't have to open anything new. They would only yeah. have to add the dynamic of when you walk up to it, it gives you the hit the button to enter like you would any other door. It, it'll it just cut scene and then you'll be wherever you have to be. So, ooh, I'm intrigued by this idea of them using that little portal now. But now I have to go listen to it. So I'm going to do after <laughs> we're done recording. I'm going to go listen to it, how creepy it is. So... Yeah, uh, this image, 
was posted a bunch of people i you know a lot of people are on your side with this too i think there's a lot of people that are really hoping that it is maleficent but i just kind of seeing the progression of the story i think that's what it's going to be i think we're going to get fairy godmother it i really really helped solidify that theory when they placed the bench in the forgotten lands and Mm -hmm. there was a wand that looks like fairy godmother's wand uh, and then I just think we're going to get the ability to remove those fires because there was another comment that they made about the Forgotten Land. Don't forget to decorate the Forgotten Lands. And they had new fla- like a new flower or something that wasn't in the oh, Forgotten yeah. Land. So I don't know if uh, like how that's going to play into it. Uh, we could get I know that we're definitely getting uh, new items because there was a new gem that appeared for a while to create one of the tiles like one of the products that you could that you could make and then it all of a sudden it disappeared it's like and in the last update it kind of went away so they may have prematurely added that to the game so or they did it on purpose for people to catch on and start creating like all this buzz around this i don't know but that's pretty genius yeah i mean outside of the fact that once you complete the quests, I think we're all on the same boat, right? Like once you complete the quest, there isn't much to do. Like once you complete yeah. the star paths, you can grind and you can, you know, do whatever you got to do to collect your flowers and clay and stones and iron and everything that you're going to need for the next star path. But uh, right now my life has been consumed with Speedstorm and Hogwarts Legacy because there isn't much to do in Dreamlight Valley until that update comes. And it's pretty close. I think by the time that the next episode of the podcast drops, uh, I think it will have, it'll be like a day after the update. Cause I think it's June, like the first week of June or something like that, if I remember correctly, but you know, hoping to get some game time in and hoping to uh, get through that, next portion as quickly as possible so i hope that they uh change the the times that some of these animals are you know when they show up because yeah you know what some people have to work and they can't take their nintendo switch to work and so how am i supposed to get the brown uh raven or whatever or the orange fox if it's when I'm at work. So maybe they should yeah. like in the next update change, you know, change the schedule around a little bit. Cause I got like three left that I got to get and they're all when yeah. I'm at work or Aww. it's like they're here from two in the morning to six in the morning. And I'm like, you're making me stay up in the middle of the night to feed this stinking animal. Yeah. That Fox the the one from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. Yeah, was possibly or, yeah. the most difficult because if I was up at that time, I wasn't playing the game. I was on TikTok, let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like They should have a rotation where like every update, they change the time so that you have a better chance of catching them because yeah, you're right. That's I mean, what I'm saying. That's, it just doesn't work. That's definitely one that should get implemented in the next one. 
Uh, all right, let's see. We got some cast member stories that we want to talk about. We have some movie stuff that we want to talk about. But before we do, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by a fantastic group of listeners known as the FGP Squad, our podcast for your godparents, because it is their support via Patreon that helped make these episodes possible. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP for more information. There you will find some of our top contributors, a little information about what the FGP Squad is all about, and a link to our Patreon if you are interested in joining. Being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like access to our happy hour calls, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, uh, discount codes, random giveaways, uh, and more. Uh, plus, you get a, a special section of our Discord server to join us and other members of the FGP squad. Uh, if you haven't joined us on Discord, you can join the community by going to podcateers.com slash links. You'll find the Discord button there. Click it, and you'll be able to join us just within a few clicks. Uh, on the links page, you'll also find a page to the FGP page if you're interested in checking that out. Uh, but again, uh, to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Uh, have you guys seen Guardians, uh, the new volume three? It's no. been Is that out yet? No. Really? Yeah, it's been like a month, I think. Well, I've not been keeping up with the times. I don't know. I saw that they added like Mantis to the Guardians dance party or something a while ago, but I didn't. I mean, it makes sense that they did that when the movie came out. I apparently am just very oblivious because. Well, you've been busy. <laughs> you have. You have been, been busy. busy. Yeah. I have been opening shows and building stuff. I didn't even realize the movie came out. Uh, maybe it's good. Uh, as uh, So none of us have seen it yet, it seems like. No, I haven't no. had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I yeah. don't feel so bad. It's doing well, though. I mean, <laughs> as of the last article that I read, I think worldwide it was reaching just over $730 million. Oh, that's so it's good. really rapidly approaching that billion-dollar mark that Disney loves to see in all of the films that they release, right? So uh, I'm hoping that I get an opportunity to see it sometime soon. Thankfully, I haven't had a lot of spoilers. Yeah. Like normally, I'll see people posting stuff. Um, James Gunn himself has posted, I believe, a couple of spoilers on his social media accounts. And I'm not sure if it's because he's just trying to confirm what people have said or what people have asked about the film or if his new investment in being the leader or one of the leads at DC is somehow getting him to put stuff out there. I mean, I don't want to call it sabotage or anything, right? But I, you would think that James Gunn wants to see DC. Like, there's a, I, I have to believe there's a part of him that now that he's in charge, he's like, yeah, like, we're going to do way better than Marvel. Like, like we're going to put out way better movies. Like, there has to be a part of him that I don't necessarily want to say that he wants to see Marvel fail but he just wants to see dc succeed Thrive. more yes I right yeah, i mean yeah, naturally as he would it. want to but he was actually uh tongue-tied <laughs> um he was actually seen in disneyland paris and i think this was like a, f mm, a few weeks ago i believe so 
I mean, he's usually known to voice, you know, answers or something or make a statement. He doesn't hold back. So it could have been something that fans were saying and he just had to set the record straight. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a comic book nerd. Yeah. And I think that's why the films that he has directed have done so well because he's not just. I almost said a hired gun. <laughs> uh, he's not just like a hired director for the job, right? Like they, like he does enjoy comics, and I think any time that a director uh, enjoys the product that they are putting out into the world, it's going to just be better overall. You know, I hope he doesn't uh, feel like he has to like dull down his responses or like his marketing of this film because you know he did put a lot of hard work into this movie so i i would assume that he he wants it to do well and none of his dc projects are currently like like there there's guardians is not competing with that it's his projects are all down the pipeline right. like there's stuff that he hasn't worked on that's releasing soon or whatever but other than that his new projects aren't out yet. So he has, you know, a couple years until any of those, th that stuff comes to, you know, the theaters. So, you know, hopefully he, he can uh, be amicable with, with Marvel, which, you know, kind of, you know, gave him a little bit of a bump in the, the comic book community with, with directing guardians and, you know, lifting him up i think to you know it gave him the opportunity to show what he could do to then him end up being in charge of dc yeah i mean regardless of all the stuff that went on when they let him go and all that stuff i mean he eventually came back and directed and all that stuff so yeah you're right i mean he did get a huge boost in the comic book community so i i look i have to admit that under under his like watchful eye, I expect a lot of good things from DC. Like mm -hmm. he just seems to know what he's doing. He knows how to tell the story. And like I said, because he's such a comic book nerd, I just think it's going to level up the DC like cinematic universe in a way that we haven't seen yet. I it, hope it's so. Just, it's just going to be so much better. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, I, I hopefully I'll get to see uh, Guardians soon because it seems like it's doing well and seems like people are liking it. So hopefully we all get to see it. But uh, I did get to see Little Mermaid this weekend, so that was that. So I yeah. I saw a movie at least. You know, seeing movies is fun. I like going to the theater. How was that? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was a good fun time. Um, I recommend anybody go see it. Uh, it's not without it's like, you know, I have criticisms of the film, but overall, I think it was a, a good movie, a good um, like stayed true to the Disney classic animated classic that we all know, um, you know, it had some minor changes. And, you know, there's my biggest complaint is that it's so long that like, oh, no. the dis like the animated movie is 89 minutes and this was i don't know like two and a half hours or something i don't know it was over two hours oh wow and i did not know that 
Yes, and I think sometimes when they do these remakes, they they lose sight that these movies are meant for kids, and kids and Andrew don't have a long attention span sometimes. And so, I feel you. <laughs> so, so I was like, my butt hurts. Why am I sitting here sit, like still? It's, oh, this is what a are long these movie. green what, farts coming out of what, me? <laughs> what time is it? I mean, it probably didn't help that we saw the movie at like eight o'clock at night, so it was done at like ten thirty, oh, yeah. ten forty something. It's pretty late. Um, but yeah, I, I had a good time. It was. I recommend everybody go see it. I thought it was fun. Interesting. What'd you think of the CG water? I know that that's been one of the biggest complaints. Uh, I think I talked about that when I first saw the trailer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the water looked weird to me, that it didn't look like they were swimming. Uh, I want. Yeah. I remember the conversation we had uh, vaguely, but I know that I wanted to feel like, oh, well, maybe it's not done yet. Maybe they're still going to do anything. Did it? look okay in the in the final release i didn't notice anything like the water did not stand out to me as being anything weird that's good so like i i didn't even think about it when i was watching it so it it seems to do the job of being water and looking like water so it, that none of that bothered me um there was some like weird cg things that um I noticed that just kind of like, you know, I, I I don't know if it's just me or if it's what there's, there's a part in part of your world. If you haven't seen it yet, look out for this when you see it. Um, it's like the part of your world reprise after, okay. I want to say spoiler alert, but the, this a remake of a movie that's been out for 30 years. So, uh, it's no spoilers, whatever. Uh, there where like, she saves Eric and he's on the beach Mm-hmm. And then she like goes on the rock and sings that last part of part of your world. Right. Well, she like starts in the water and starts like crawling up this rock and she's like hiding the people listening to this can't see this, but I'm got I'm doing what she does. She like hides like behind <laughs> this rock and it's just her hands and her head sticking up. And she does this weird like spider crawl and she like crawls up the rock with her fingers and her hands and it's like her body must have just been floating in the air to be able to do that. I don't know. It was just something that like really bothered me, like stuck with me. Like I'm sure most people wouldn't have noticed it, but it was just something that I thought was like really kind of bizarre. Like I understand why they did it because they needed to get her to the top of the rock to do the thing that's in the movie, you know, the animated movie. So I get, but it was just like, I don't know. Look weird. The translation um, of it. Yeah. yeah, it just kind of yeah. There's some stuff like the other thing that th- my least favorite part, which is what one of my favorite parts in the animated movie is, uh, uh, under the sea, because my f- the f- my favorite part of Under the Sea is when all the animals play the fish instruments. Mm-hmm. And a spoiler alert, they don't play any instruments in in the movie. Aww. Even even though Aww. all the lyrics are still in the movie where they say the cart play the harp, the place play the bass, you know, all that stuff. They're still in there, <laughs> but there's no animals playing choral tubas and saxophones and and you know, shells and things. So like it was a visually stunning number, mm-hmm. but it just felt like it was missing the the I don't know 
silly, whimsy or whatever. That's kind of my big, big uh, takeaway from from it's not even this movie. It's it's most of the remakes is they get so focused on what reality is that they forget to have fun. So ah, like it, okay. it's like all right well a mermaid would have to do this and would do this in real life. It's like well listen here buddy mermaids aren't real. Talking <laughs> talking wait crabs what? talking crabs aren't real and wait you, what? Uh, yes Hazen, mermaids aren't real just so you know. <laughs> Surprise. <What? laughs> I mean as far as we know mermaids aren't real. That's true. But but <laughs> it just seems like they get they whoever the the people that are making those decisions on i don't know if it's rob marshall the director of this or it's the writers or whoever i don't know um but it seems like they just get get two in their heads on the reality and less on like oh yeah this is supposed to be a fun kids movie and it was fun and it was good and i enjoyed it and i think people should go see it but I'm giving my criticisms of it and that's that's what it is is it seems like they forgot the the silly fun that was in the original animated movie. So there was Interesting. like and they like took songs out like my favorite song Les Poissons is not in the movie and that's the like again that's another just like s- song that is silly and fun it doesn't advance the plot at all. It's just silly. Yeah. And it's there and it's great. Yeah. But they, and so they gave Eric a song, which yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, it was fine. That was the other complaint for me is some of the new songs, they don't feel like they're in the same movie. Like it's, you know, you have all these classic, you know, Howard Ashman lyrics, Alan Menken, uh, music and then Al Macon did music for this one but then new lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda and it just phrasing and uh, you know just how, how the songs were laid out didn't seem like they were in from the same movie it was like a, like a how very much modern rapping was there there was one rap song and I didn't like wait, it wait for reals yes oh, because it's I Lin-Manuel was joking Miranda. about that <laughs> I was joking. I didn't. Oh, there was, I didn't think the answer to that was going to be there I, was one. I saw that with you saw it with my wife last night, and I I we were, we were watching it and the rap happened and then I like something clicked in my brain and I you know leaned over to her and I said I forgot Lin Manuel Miranda was part of this until now. Like, so oh, like man. so Scuttle played by Aquafina does a rap that's called like it's about scuttlebutt and it's you know it was funny but again it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the movie um and i get it like that's his thing like Mm -hmm. lin-manuel miranda does the lin-manuel miranda style rap right like he has his very like specific cadence and uh, and stuff for with his raps and they're good like hamilton's great and and you know it fit well you know what he did with moana like for maui and stuff like that was was a little you know less obvious than this which was just like a straight up like rap um so 
you know, it wasn't my favorite part, but it was like there were funny parts in the song too. The like, did you hear the scuttlebutt? And uh, Sebastian says, "What about your butt?" And then that that was pretty funny. So, um, there's also like other songs that exist, like Lin Manuel Miranda. I mean, sorry, not Lin. Uh, Alan Menken wrote songs for the musical. The the Broadway musical for The Little Mermaid because a Broadway musical has more than eight songs, you know, it, it's longer, so yeah, whatever. And so like Scuttle has two songs in that that they could have taken. I'm sure there's an Eric song, I don't remember, um, but yeah, and it's I don't know it. It's a good movie. Like, don't take all these criticisms as like bad things. Like it was very minor. These, the criticisms I had all in all, I think it's a good movie. It's probably one of the best like live action remakes that they've attempted, you know, that, that, that we've seen so far. Like, I think it was very well executed and is worth people going to see. Um, but there, uh, I can't watch a movie anymore without just like picking it apart in my head. It's the same thing. If I go see a play, I can't, I can't watch it without like picking at the lights or whatever. So my, I'm just a broken person and that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to ask, since you were talking about songs and lyrics and stuff, Uh how, how jarring were the changes to some of the classic songs like kiss the girl, for instance, I know that, uh, there was some minor tweaks to that song mm-hmm. where uh, the lyrics are are uh, essentially changing from Eric just going in for the kiss mm-hmm. to essentially asking Ariel for consent before he goes in for the kiss. Yeah, I mean, I it kind of like because the songs are so like ingrained in my brain again you know movie that's 30 what 34 years old at this point um you know i've heard these songs hundreds of times so it's kind of like you know you're kind of singing along in your head and then the thing you know the, the lyrics were different and i went that was different and then i went along watching the movie that's as much thought as i put into it when the when mm-hmm. the kiss the girl lyric change, I got huh. That's not how it goes. Okay, let's watch the rest of this. And then there was fish spitting blue water, and that was the part I didn't like. Um, right. yeah. Again, that that's another like song where they they like got too ingrained in like what the reality of like fish do, as opposed to just having a fun yeah. song where where ducks play the bellies of turtles as drums. Like <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. I guess you do lose some of that when you go. I, I get what you're saying. They do get lost in the whole reality of the situation. Right. But it happened with Lion King y- too. Y- like mm-hmm. they're, it's just like, Oh yeah. How about lions don't have any facial expressions. So let's, we can't tell any emotions of any of these lions because they're real. These mm-hmm. are real lions. That was, <laughs> but yeah, the whole idea of, of all these fish and everything playing instruments yet you have a talking crab and you have this talking fish and you have this mermaid, you know, why can't you just spend belief a little bit more and a talking sea that, Oh, and a sea witch and everything that like can grow and be like 800 feet tall and like zap people with the trident and all that. Like there's all this like magic stuff that, that 
they're like, yeah, that magic's great. Okay. But like, can a, a, a fish can't play a tuba. Like th- this is something I am going to die on this hill. <laughs> this, this fish cannot play a saxophone or everybody's minds will break reality and they will not understand the movie anymore. How ca- can <laughs> this movie function with, with a, you know, a flute playing salamander or whatever. I don't, it's, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> were Flotsam and Jetsam in this one? Yes. They didn't talk because, you know, some fish can talk and other fishes don't talk apparently this in this reality. Ridiculous. They just are there. <laughs> and then Ursula blows them up with a, um, trident, uh, <laughs> at the end. Uh, Spoiler. But yeah, they don't talk. And then there's also a part where it's just Scuttle just eats another fish in front of Flounder. Like, that just happens. Like, I don't. And Flounder's like, hey, cool. (laughs) Like, Scuttle, like, literally eats the fish. He's like, hey, down here, just getting some grub or whatever. And Flounder's just like, all right, then. This is cool. This is, like, not appalled or anything. So, again. These are very minor of this two and a half hour movie or however long it is. You know, these are very minor uh, things. I did. I would like to, you know, give uh, is it? It's Halle Bailey. I want to say Halle Berry every time. It's Halle Bailey uh, doing a fantastic job. I mean, they picked like a like almost like one to one vocal match with. Uh, Jody Benson like she's singing this like she has the right cadence she has the right like it's like she's like the like the timbre of her voice and everything it's all like right in there and you know it's not exactly the same but it makes you feel the same things that that the original animated movie d- does like the the songs that she sing sound like right they, That's awesome. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, I get yeah. this is a cover song or whatever. It's like, oh, nope, this is the right song. Like, they they did a fantastic job in casting her. I think she's probably the standout of everybody in the cast. Um, Javier Bardem is Triton, and all I could think of is him being Blackbeard the whole time. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Uh, it's like wrong that, sea movie. Yes, it's a wrong <laughs> sea movie where he's like, "You ride with Blackbeard." Um, so yeah, there's like lot. I have you know, uh, with a movie that like with a remake of a film that is the like kickoff of the Disney Renaissance. Well, this second kickoff, but we won't talk about that here. Um, uh, it's it's like has big shoes to fill. And I think they did a good job, even if they did cut one of my favorite songs and not have a fish playing a tuba. Um, so yeah, it's you know Melissa McCarthy did did a uh, did a serviceable job as Ursula. I don't have any complaints of her. I, I think there's probably better people that could have done that role, but I think she was the one person that was just trying to do an impression of the original movie. Like she was just like I'm Pat gotcha. Carroll. I'm channeling Pat Carroll. Everybody else seemed to be like doing something else, and she's like I'm Pat Carroll, which is like a good thing to do. Like Pat Carroll, like knocked it out of the park with Ursula. But you yeah. know, and and some of the stuff they did with <clears throat> with Ursula was very fun. 
um, with you know a lot of tentacle work and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's again, I think everybody should go see it. It is very worth the price. Uh, wait, don't you know if you have the opportunity, see it in the theater. I think it will make a difference seeing this on the big screen versus seeing it just on your TV at home. Um, if that's the only way you can see it, then you know by all means wait till you get to see it at home. But if you have the ability to go see it in the theater, I think this is one of those ones that it will make a difference seeing it on the big screen. Right on. I do get what you're saying about uh, the the cadence and everything being there for Halle Bailey because mm-hmm. I've been listening to the soundtrack um, for the new film on Spotify. And uh, the reason I asked you about the lyrics was because I kind of felt the same way when I heard the new lyrics to Kiss the Girl. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. different. That's That's been updated. Like, that yeah. is no longer a let me force myself upon you to get this kiss. <laughs> now it's like, hey, is it cool if I do this? And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that they updated that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. If you haven't heard the soundtrack, also worth a listen as well. Uh, I'm sure that it's available on all major providers. Streaming point, services, and, YouTube, yeah, all streaming services. The likes. So. You could probably buy a CD of it if you want. I don't know. Those still exist. I don't know. Compact discs. Yeah, I'm sure they exist at some point somewhere. Remember? Okay, did everybody? We're gonna just go on a tangent right now. <laughs> so. Remember, like, I don't know if this was just, like, in my circles or not, but, they're, like, when CDs kind of started, like, feeling like they were going to get phased out, everybody was like, it's going to, oh, we're everything, CD's going to be on a little disc, like, or, like, on a little card, like a memory chip, like, that's how we're going to get our music, it's going to be on a SD card or whatever, and and then streaming happened, and then that ever happened, but, I mean, I don't know, that was just a weird tangent I thought about. It well, kind of I mean, did because if you remember, I mean, I don't know. I, I know we've had the conversation about like the different MP3 players that we had and stuff. Like mm-hmm. We had the Creative mm-hmm. Zen and the Zune and yeah. like all these little things, right? But I remember at one point, uh, m- like my transition was, uh, I remember the first time I had a new deck for my car that could read MP3s from a disc. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that like for for all you kids out there, us old timers used to do something called burning CDs. And that's <laughs> when we would take songs that we like and we would make these compilation discs of different songs. Right. But then mm-hmm. I remember going from the 20 songs on one disc, like 20 if we were like lucky. Right. Like we could yeah. fit that many depending on the length of the songs. But I remember the first time I got a deck for my car that could read CDs with data and MP3s. And all of a sudden, instead of carrying 100 discs, I was carrying three with like 100 songs per disc. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, like, my life was revolutionized yet again when I went from the CDs and I remember getting a car that had a USB drive that I could put a whole bunch of songs on a USB, that little chip, right? And I could plug them in and then, boom, all of a sudden I got a thousand songs in the car and I don't know what to listen to no more. So, I I mean, it kind of got there. 
we got yeah the they chip. were never like sold on a chip like you couldn't like buy a cd like a an album off of like a sd card that would have bought it rad, on though. itunes and i think you know with the internet and everything it kind of just like you just buy it online who needs the physical media anymore kind yeah, of yeah that's true they, they kind of skipped it but that was i don't know it was just a random thought that i had <laughs> i will say there are some things that i still buy actual media for i think it's oh, worth yeah. owning like like oh, the super yeah. mario movie we talked about it recently that's definitely a blu-ray pre-order right so right on uh let's see hey you know since we're talking about movies i wanted to kind of share this uh m- this movie news slash tv news slash disney plus news because it's one of those stories that gives you kind of the like the warm and fuzzies about people getting something cool from being passionate about something that they do right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh so you you're familiar with the obi-wan series on disney plus right yeah yes we talked about it we enjoyed it um if you're uh, a fair weather star wars fan such as myself i think it was a, a pretty good series i totally enjoyed it if you're a hardcore star wars fan you know you give a little to take a little everybody's experience is going to be slightly different but do you remember years ago there was uh, i i don't remember when it was but there was this guy named mike nichols who, after the release of The Phantom Menace, was like, this movie is horrible. I'm going to cut it down, and I'm going to make my own version. And he created The Phantom Edit. Do you remember Uh, that? No. (laughs) Okay. So, essentially, what he did was he just went in, and he cut out all what he thought was the fluff of the movie. He just made like his own version. But this was just like some fan thing. It was like on YouTube for a while. Like you could find it in different places. But uh, like some of the things like he replaced the crawl. Uh, I think he removed some scenes like or if I'm not mistaken, he removed pretty much all scenes that included Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> and so there was just a lot of like like edits to make it more palatable. Right. And so uh that i think got a lot of other fans thinking like well we could do this with other films and soon enough there was all sorts of edits of things that were appearing on the internet now a lot of those edits just kind of live on youtube they live on fan sites or you know they're shown at film festivals and stuff like that but they're kind of these underground things they're never mainstream they never become part of something bigger well That's where Kai Patterson comes in. Kai Patterson is a director and a visual effects artist uh, here in the L.A. area. And for the last year, he was working on his own edit of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Because if you remember, before it became a series on Disney+, it was slated to be a film. And then I think it was Solo that came out right before that didn't do so well that they decided, yeah, you know what, let's just make it a series for Disney Plus instead. And so they kind of stretched it out. Mm -hmm. So Kai decided that he wanted to go back to this concept of it being a film. So he took all the episodes from Disney Plus and he re-edited the whole thing into a two and a half hour film. 
But here's where it gets crazier. Not only did he use footage that already existed from the show, he went on to green screen and create brand new scenes that didn't even exist to bridge existing footage so that it made sense in the context of the film. Wow. Yeah, so now this entire new cut of what I believe they're calling the Patterson cut. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Patterson cut. But more importantly than anything else, Lucasfilm caught wind of this. And it might help that he's kind of a VFX artist in the industry already. But Lucasfilm got wind of this, right? And so they're like, oh, wow, this two and a half hour movie, that's, that's intriguing. They found out everything that he's doing. Lucasfilm and Disney reaches out to Kai. And of course, uh, you know, you would think that somebody that's getting this type of viral appeal on something is going to be stricken down by Disney being told, hey, that enough with our IP. Like, this is not cool, right? This is our property right now. They didn't do that. Instead, they said, hey, man, how would you like to debut this film on Disney Plus? And so not only will it be debuting on Disney Plus, but they kind of bought it from him for an unprecedented $2.1 million. Wow. Dang. Passion Lucky. meets cha-ching. <laughs> mm-hmm. The dream. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, when, when you do something just because you had a, like, had a good idea and you know, wanted to do something fun and probably just challenge yourself to to do something as, as a fun thing and then it gets this response and then hey you get some money out of it i guess uh uh all's well that ends well right i really thought disney was going to be like yeah this isn't cool man especially if they did six episodes worth of it and this was gonna like make them look bad because they couldn't do what he did and instead they they've just bought it out like what what do you think the obi-wan kenobi movie would have cost disney to make oof oof um a big number big big number i'm sure probably but, the same as what it cost them to make the series right like i, yeah. I don't or less depending well, the series, on the series cost 90 million to make yeah so i mean that's a pretty big budget for a film, I mean, most Marvel movies are, you know, around between like a hundred and two hundred million. So, uh, I mean, the budget might have been a little bit bigger uh, for the film of it, but you you never know. Like, what if it was a going to be just a Disney Plus film, or was it going to be a film going into theaters? There's all different considerations on how they budget these things, and so. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not like this the series cost nothing it was still 90 millions quite a lot i th i would think yeah and i mean 2.1 is i mean i it sounds weird to say this i was gonna say it's a drop in the bucket but i mean for us it's not right it's not chump change that we're gonna find between the cushions of the couch but yeah. for disney you know to give two million dollars to somebody that did something that they were going to do for 90 is nothing, right? And then they get to benefit yeah. from this edit. Uh, granted, it is a lot of their original footage, but if it's going to get some kind of mass fan appeal and it might get people to sign up for Disney+, Plus, it's a total win for them. Uh, do you think that this would 
or this is going to spawn copycats? Do you think somebody's going to be like, let me tell you what's wrong with WandaVision? And then we're going to start getting like fan edits of WandaVision and Loki and, and all that stuff. Or do you think that after this, Disney's going to say, hey, by the way, this was like a one-time thing. Cool it with the fan edits. We're not going to do this again. I mean, you're going to always get people who are, who are going to want to try to do this. I mean, for instance, TikTok. So I see it happening, but are their techniques going to be just as good? You could have so many craftacular <laughs> versions out there that it may just it. be him. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're always going to have someone out there that's going to try it. So, nah. <laughs> Andrew, should we make a movie? Should we, yeah, should we all piece what? together a film for Disney Plus? Yeah, let's take, um, let's see, what's on Disney Plus that we could turn into a movie? Uh, we're going to take. All of the seasons of uh, Lizzie McGuire and just make them into one movie. Perfect. Yes, I'm on board. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff in there that I'm sure like the young Indiana Jones series could be cut down to being a movie. Like I know that's not on Disney Plus, but that's probably something that could be uh, cut down to be a movie. But it will um, be. I mean, a lot of these series that that's kind of the the thing that you you hear a lot is. A lot of these series that are on streaming platforms are really just really drawn out movies. It's somebody had an idea for a movie, but they don't want to have the budget for a movie, so they turn it into a streaming series. Yeah. And it takes for you know it takes you ten episodes to get to the what the movie would have got in two hours or whatever. Right. It's just like a bunch of filler stuff. Yeah. So let's turn. We'll we we'll edit Wednesday into a into a movie. I mean, it is definitely a different approach than the, oh, man, what was his name? I forgot his name, but it was also somebody that I had seen on TikTok who had taken every film and every series in the MCU and created this 50-plus-hour fan edit in chronological order so that you basically saw from the very first... Actually, it wasn't even Iron Man that started it. I want to say that it was Captain Marvel that started everything because of the timeline. Mm -hmm. or I, I don't remember. The point is that it was a massive undertaking. So he definitely took the totally different approach and said, you're never getting up from this couch again. Whereas Kai's approach was, let me make Obi-Wan a little bit better and bring it down to like two and a half hours for you. So... Wednesday, not part of Disney Plus, but I'm happy to do it. There wasn't many yeah, parts whatever. of Wednesday that I didn't like, though. I think it was pretty decent the way that it was. Yeah, but you could probably like cut a lot of it out and make it into a movie. Like that's it, true. It, there was a there was probably a lot of repeat stuff. I don't know. I watched it once. I was just that's trying to true. think of stuff that was like I don't know. Maybe could have been a movie. Uh, we'll edit that uh, John Stamos basketball show into a movie. <laughs> That it's gone. Disney Plus. <laughs> we can't even watch it and pull the episodes. It's gone. Oh, oh you know what else is gone? Darn. You know, we were talking about the episodes that are gone from Disney Plus last week. Uh -huh. I just found mm -hmm. out another show that I really enjoyed is gone. They got rid of prop culture. Yeah, that oh. one. That one wasn't even on the list. They just like yanked it. Yeah. And didn't tell anybody. Well, that was a very good show. 
and I was hoping for another season. I was too, man. So, and I remember that was one of the more popular shows when Disney Plus first started. Yeah, uh, along with things like the Imagineering story and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I hope they reconsider. Uh, I know they reconsidered for Howard to be brought back to the service. Yeah. Uh, I hope that they do the same with this one. I don't know if this is going to have the same levity as Howard, but um, I mean, it, it, now's the time. If we're going to make a change, now's the time to bring back uh, prop culture. Yeah. I mean, they listen. <laughs> it's true. They do. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time that we start to wrap up this episode. And of course, the way that we like to do that is by helping the Disney company celebrate their hundred years of wonder with our own tribute segment known as Great Moments with Mr. Andrew. With the great Mr. Andrew. Hey, that's me. The years this year, this week, this year, the years this year. The years this week are 1965 and 1966. Uh, so for films in 1965 uh, that were released, June 23rd, The Monkey's Uncle. November 5th, Those Calloways. December 2nd, That Darn Cat. Um, also this year, Mary Poppins is nominated for 13 Academy Awards and wins five. Uh, one going to Julie Andrews for her role as Mary Poppins. One to Richard and Robert Sherman for the song Chim Chimmery uh, for Best Original Score. And uh, to Cotton Warburton for film editing. And to Peter Ellenshaw, Hamilton Lusk, and Eustace Lassette for visual special effects. The Academy also awarded a technical Oscar to Ub Iwerks, Petro Valos, and Wadsworth Pohl for the concept and perfection of techniques for color-traveling matte composite cinematography. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association also awards a Golden Globe to Julie Andrews for Mary Poppins. Uh, for TV in 1965, 25 episodes of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color air on NBC. On November 3rd, Walt Disney appears on the Jack Benny Hour. And Disney puts Zorro TV series into syndication. Uh, for Disneyland in 1965, on January 1st, the Miss Disneyland begins, uh, the first Miss Disneyland begins serving Julie Ream uh, of Texas, a Disneyland tour guide. On May 4th, the Orlando Sentinel newspaper reports rumors of a East Coast Disneyland. And on May 27th, the Miami Herald reports Disney may be one of the possible buyers of some 30,000 acres. 12 miles southwest of Orlando. Uh, also this year, Mapo is incorporated, named after Mary Poppins. The company is a research and manufacturing subsidiary of Wed Enterprises. On July 17th, Disneyland celebrates its 10th anniversary. For the 10th anniversary, a Disneyland ambassador to the world begins making trips to Japan, Australia, Europe, and other parts of the U.S. to meet with leaders and make press appearances. On July 18th, the Plaza Inn restaurant opens on the hub at Disneyland. It was formerly the Red Wagon Inn. Also, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln opens uh, at the Main Street Opera House. This is the second iteration of this attraction. The first is still running at the World's Fair. On August 12th, Disneyland welcomes its 50 millionth guest, Mary Adams. In October, the New York World's Fair closes, which had 47 million visitors over two years. Uh, to date, Disney planners have acquired 27,443 acres, that is 43 square miles, in central Florida at the cost of just over $5 million. 
On October 25th, Florida Governor Hayden Burns confirms reports that Walt Disney Productions is purchasing large amounts of land in Florida. And on November 15th, at the Cherry Plaza Hotel in Orlando, Walt Disney, Roy Disney, and Florida Governor Hayden Burns make the first public announcement of the plans to build the uh, new Disney theme park in Orlando. Orlando. Also this year, the Fantasy on Parade Christmas Parade debuts, and Space Mountain first appears on the large poster-sized souvenir map of Disneyland, even though Space Mountain would not open until 1977. Uh, Other notable events in 1965... On February 5th, Walt Disney sells his interest in Wed Enterprises to Walt Disney Productions for $60 million and forms Ret Law to handle rights to his name and receipts from the Disneyland trains. Former U.S. President Eisenhower presents Walt Disney with the Freedom Foundation Award. Uh, Warren Buffett buys 5% of Disney stock for $4 million. On August 31st, the U.S. Forest Service announced it has received six bids to develop a ski resort on Mineral King in California. A uh, proposal from Disney is one of two leading candidates. Uh, Disney's $35 million proposal includes up to 27 chairlifts with a capacity of uh, 11,400 seats per hour, uh, hotels for up to 3,000 guests, and a 10-story underground parking for 3,600 cars. This is also... uh, where the uh, Country Bear Jamboree was first intended to be uh, at the Mineral King. And in December, the first issue of Disney News is issued, produced by Milt Albright, manager of the Magic Kingdom Club. Uh, Birthdays for 1965, February 7th, Chris Rock. March 25th, Sarah Jessica Parker. April 4th, Robert Downey Jr. August 11th, Viola Davis. And December 3rd, Andrew Stanton. Uh, 1966, that brings us to, for films in 1966, we have premiering on February 16th, The Ugly Dotsund, July 29th, Lieutenant Robertson Caruso, uh, October 1st, The Fighting Prince of Donegal, and December 1st, Follow Me Boys. For TV in 1966, there are 25 episodes of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color airing on NBC. Or Disneyland in 1966. On May 28th, It's a Small World opens in Fantasyland. The river is 1,400 feet long. There are over 500 singing dolls and effects. On July 1st, the Primeval World Diorama uh, opens on the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad. On July 24th, New Orleans Square opens at Disneyland. It costs between $15 and $18 million and occupies three acres. Uh, Walt Disney and the mayor of New Orleans dedicate the area uh, opening day attractions of new orleans square are the cristal de orleans shop the mint julep bar the creole cafe restaurant the one-of-a-kind antique shop and the french market buffet on october uh, august 28th the Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea exhibit display closes and on Dece- uh, september 5th the flying saucer ride in tomorrowland closes due to difficulties keeping the vehicles working Uh, Other notable events of 1966, Disney has talks with both General Electric and Westinghouse about possibly buying Walt Disney Productions. Walt Disney proposes to buy a minority share of the California Angels baseball team. Comic artist Carl Barks retires from Disney. Uh, The National Association of Theater Owners makes their first award presentation naming Walt Disney Showman of the World. 
And Walt Disney gives a uh, press conference and describes his plan for building an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Birthdays for 1966. January 13th, Patrick Dempsey. February 24th, Billy Zane. May 26th, Helena Bonham Carter. June 27th, J.J. Abrams. August 5th, James Gunn. September 9th, Adam Sandler. October 19th, John Favreau. November 8th, Gordon Ramsay. And notable deaths of 1966, June uh, 19th, Ed Wynn. Uh, July 23rd, Donald Novus. Uh, December 14th, Verna Felton, and December 15th, Walt Disney. Uh, I love, I, I kind of was nice that this went to the end. So, uh, yes, Walt Disney died right at the end of 1966, and I have a big old section about it. So, uh, Walt's death. Uh, Walt Disney had been a heavy smoker since World War One. He did not use cigarettes with filters and had smoked a pipe as a young man. He had been in declining health for much of the last years of his life. Uh, fans of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color began to notice how haggard and exhausted he looked uh, on the air and wrote concerned letters to him about how raspy his voice had become. He was a longtime sufferer of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and emphysema. On November 2nd, Walt checked into St. Joseph's Hospital, complaining of shortness of breath and pain in his left leg, thinking it may be his old polo injury bothering him. Uh, X-ray tests reveal a dark spot on his left lung. Uh, he cleared most the most pressing things on his desk and returned to St. Joseph's on November 7th and is admitted to do a biopsy on the spot discovered on the X-ray. His left lung is found uh, to be full of cancerous tumors and is removed, but the cancer has spread to his lymph nodes. Doctors give Walt six months to two years to live. After two weeks of chemotherapy sessions and cobalt x-ray treatments, Walt was released from the hospital and returned to the studio to do some limited work. Eventually, he and Lillian went to their smoke tree rants vacation home for him to recover, but he was only there for one day. On November 30th, Walt collapses in his home and is revived by medics. He is readmitted to the hospital. And on December 15th at 9.35 a.m. in St. Joseph's Hospital, Walt Disney dies of acute circulatory collapse caused by lung cancer at age 65, 10 days after his 65th birthday. Uh, the news of Walt's death was on the front page of newspapers across the world. The LA Times published six articles on Walt that day, after, the day after his passing, and the flags... Uh, were lowered to half-staff at all county facilities by order of the Los Angeles Board of Supervisors, a practice generally reserved for government officials and dignitaries. Many well-known editorial cartoons were created in honor of Walt's passing, many of them featuring Disney characters bowing their heads or crying, mourning the loss of Walt. One piece features Mickey's face on the globe titled The World Weeps for Walt Disney. An editorial run by the LA Times reflected on the magnitude of the loss of Walt Disney to the world. Quote, there will be grief in Bangkok and Bangor, in Cairo and Chicago, in Paris and Philadelphia, as grown-ups and Muppets uh, alike realize that the man's wonderful talents has been stilled. On December 16th, a, pri a private funeral service is held by Walt Disney's immediate family at Little Church of the Flowers on Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California, where his remains are interred. Walt had won more than 950 honors and citations worldwide, including 31 Oscars and 7 Emmys. He was survived by his wife Lillian, their two daughters, Diane and Sharon, and 10 grandchildren. 
In the days following Walt's death, Roy, the then president of Walt Disney Productions, is named chairman. Don Tatum becomes president and Card Walker is appointed to executive vice president for operations. Roy Disney gives a speech to Disney management and the Imagineering team, making it clear that the company will continue to be run according to Walt's wishes. He also announces that Walt's first name would be added to the title of the Florida theme park project. I think the best way to end this is with a quote from uh, Chicago Tribune columnist Walter uh, Troen. Uh, quote, few of his fellow... <laughs> Few of his fellow Americans and few citizens of the world knew Disney personally, yet all feel that they have lost a friend and something of themselves in his death. But they can also be happy that he will never die so long as men can dream of great adventures and so long as children can laugh. Uh, so that has been uh, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, uh, 1965 and 1966. It's uh, it's it's uh, kind of a downer, so... Uh, I guess I <laughs> laugh a little bit when it when stuff's a little serious. So, um, yeah, it's a, a rough year for the Disney company. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they are great moments because, um, you know, without everything that Walt went through, we wouldn't have uh, the park. We wouldn't have a lot of what we have today, right? It's a lot of the stuff that we love. And I think it was the legacy, obviously, that he left behind. And, you know, Walt when he first started, wasn't known as an animator, right? So he hired the best people that he could mm -hmm. to help him create these feature-length films and stuff. And just like the parks, he himself wasn't, you know, uh, great at building all these things, but he knew that he had to find the best people to help. And it was finding all the right people to not only help build his dreams, but to continue his legacy that has allowed the Disney company to prosper all these years after his passing. Right. So although it was a somber moment, we can look back and just see that his legacy definitely lives on and it doesn't live on just in the Disney company itself. It lives on in all the fans that have projects like this. Like, like we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't enjoy, you know, some aspect of the Disney company. Like if we weren't passionate about a, some aspect of the Disney company, there's plenty of, of podcasts out there that share their passion for it as well, you know, and it spawned a lifetime of dreamers. You know, we'll always be thankful for the legacy that, that Walt left behind. Not to say that, you know, I know there's going to be people like, well, he was this and this. Look, er he's human, man. Everybody had faults, right? There's definitely things about Walt Disney that I will also argue were not the greatest, like, traits in a human being, right? But, you know, overall, the legacy that, that he left behind and the ability to allow us to dream and to dream big, I think, is really why we're doing something like this. So, you know, that's that's a happy note. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, uh, if Walt Disney hadn't existed, I wouldn't know you all. Like, I wouldn't have some of the friends that I have now because of, ha of how, how uh, we have met and all this stuff. So it all started with a mouse, I guess, and including this friendship <laughs> how would we have known that it's a small world after all exactly it is that's <laughs> true all right i think that's a great place to end it so that's it um anything else 
before we wrap up this episode. Uh, new Quizneyland this week. Uh, I haven't written it yet, and I haven't recorded it yet, so uh, this will be fun. But there'll be questions and stuff, and listen. Hooray. Yay. Yeah, definitely listen. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Part of the Podcateers Network.